let's get it. Radically smaller commerce. You wanna test A B on your PDP? Pop up that AOV and your B2C. Do the 301, avoid the 404. Boost your SEO, get people to the store. Got the latest stack, headless, you react. You want that seamless customer experience attack. Live shopping social, set up your syndication. Be relevant, that's our recommendation. Radical Smarter Commerce is a podcast presented by Aptus with focus on smarter commerce and merchandising. We will talk about trends, new technology, and the importance of being relevant. We will do this by interviewing exciting guests to be inspired by their success stories and insights. And I'm your host, Thomas Sjöberg, and I will be joined by different colleagues here at Aptus depending on topic and guests. Welcome to a new episode of Radical Smarter Commerce. And this time we're going to take a look at the B2B space. And uh, I have the pleasure of having Hugo Karlén that works for one of the largest B2B companies here in Sweden, SKF. And they have loads of products, they sell to different kinds of personas, and we're going to talk about how you can stay relevant in such a scenario. So, here we go. Today I'm very happy to have Hugo Karlén that is joining us from SKF, one of Sweden's most finest companies. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Radical Smart Commerce. I'm really happy to be here again, Thomas. Uh, now, not really in person. Uh, we need to do this uh, um, with a somewhat a distance between us. But uh, I'm really happy to be part of your podcast again. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, we did a podcast uh, before uh, when I worked at InRiver, the Pim Talk podcast. And then we we met when you visited us in, in Malmö. So if you want to listen to that, uh, you can Google Pim Talk and Hugo Karlén and you can enjoy that. But today we are going to focus on some other things. But uh, maybe first you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm working at, as you mentioned, SKF. And I have a passion for uh, product information and making this uh, part of the uh, sales experience for our customers. So uh, creating product information that makes a difference for our customers and also to uh, try to turn our processes a bit uh, outside in to really make sure that we, even though we are a huge industrial company in uh, many, many locations, uh, that we make sure that we really listen to our customers when creating new product information. Okay. And what does SKF do? What is your product? Uh, SKF is uh, a company manufacturing bearings. Uh, so ball bearings, plane bearings, etc. Uh, the core is within uh, rolling bearings, so including ball bearings and roller bearings. So if you are an inline skater or a skateboarder, you might have seen the bearings inside. Okay. Uh, apart from that, uh, our products uh, exist in more or less everything that rotates. Often, it's a bit challenging to see uh, our products because they are hidden inside machines or inside trains or uh, wind turbines. But... Uh, if you see something that rotates uh, smoothly with uh, low noise levels and with uh, very low friction, then I think you can be more or less certain that there is an SKF bearing inside somewhere. Okay, cool. So who are your customers? Uh, who buys your products? Well, I think uh, most of you listening to this pod have once uh, or, or twice or, or many times bought products from SKF, but they're often inside other machines. So uh, at SKF, we see um, two 
major uh, a major division. We, we we sell to original equipment manufacturers, those that buy bearing and equip machines with bearings. So if you buy a bicycle, a car, a wind turbine, or a steel mill, um, you buy this from a, a supplier that we consider an original equipment manufacturer, and they buy bearings. Then uh, if you if you use your, your car for a longer time, maybe you need to replace a few products uh, that we consider as aftermarket. So if you need to change a wheel bearing inside of your car, if you or a steel manufacturer and running a steel mill, then you most likely need to uh, change some of those bearings in operation. And that is what we consider as aftermarket. And for these ones, we sell the bearings themselves. And we do this uh, mainly via distribution channels. Okay. And uh, we see major changes in the distribution market. Uh, we see that our customers come to us and uh, ask us, uh, new kind of questions, and they require new uh, data to go with the products. All right. So we're going to talk a bit about how product discovery works for a B2B company like yourself. But first, how many products do you have? It's a very good question. Um, we have uh, about a million products. Whoa. It depends. <laughs> we have uh, some 30,000 products uh, available in our online product catalog today. And we sell on a yearly basis maybe 200,000 products. All right. And you showed me here before you had a large Bible, like it was more than 1,000 pages with products. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in the printed catalog, uh, that's a subset of, of the assortment, we have some uh, 10,000 products listed. Okay. But uh, we have we have we have plenty of products. Yeah, yeah, I can hear that. So, and you mentioned it was it like twenty thousand on the website, or what do you say? I think we have now thirty three thousand listed on the engineering website, and then we have another close to hundred thousand in the in the in the commercial catalog that is available for for our distributors and partners. Okay. So, uh, what do you do online with your product information? I mean, is it just for uh, if you want to go up and read what products you have or your customers, do they go in and um, like put orders or um, yeah, what do you use the web for? It's a, it's a, it's a really good question because um, we, we have been very early adopters of using online and internet for engineering purposes. We have had uh, engineering catalogs for, I think, more than 25 years now, starting with uh, you know, CD-ROMs and then going on very early uh, web platforms. At the same time, we have had uh, uh, online order entry for many of our distributors, also for 20 years. What we see now is that there is a need from our customers to, to merge these two worlds. Um, uh, previously, we had sort of one engineering process that was uh, very much uh, focused on, on design engineers. And we had a completely different uh, user experience for the purchasers uh, in uh, both on the OEM side, but uh, mainly on the aftermarket side. What we see now is that our customers want to be freely move between these two worlds. Uh, our customers, they want to design new machines 
and then automatically forward this to the purchasing department and place orders. And they want to have a consistency in that journey. Mm. They want to have uh, good products, not only from an engineering perspective, but also from a supply chain and pricing uh, perspective. And this means that we as a supplier must uh, talk the same language. Um, we must talk the language of the engineers. We must talk the language of the of the purchasers. Okay. And that must be a challenge sometime because if you go into a store, for instance, and you meet uh, someone that works there and that um, helps the customers, they can sort of sense what kind of buyer you are and then tailor the message based on on what type of uh, customer, what kind of persona you are. So um, in some way, you need also to detect that when you're online. Yeah, and, and I think this... This is challenging, and I, I don't say that we have really, uh, we're not, we don't master this today. But at least we have more of an understanding, both internally and externally, that we we meet different personas on, on in our web presence, and and we can also learn a lot from this. Uh, I think we are maybe in the the the, the time when we move a bit from Web one point zero, which was, uh, I mean. Uh, uh, centrally produced content distributed uh, to web 2.0 uh, um, where where we also crowdsource uh, knowledge okay i mean facebook and those consumer services they were in this uh, position maybe maybe 15 years ago uh, i think in the uh, in the mechanical and engineering and and, and the, in the industry uh, we have not really seen the same values until uh, quite uh, recently. Okay, so you're actually thinking about uh, bringing in the wisdom of the crowd on your website uh, in relation to your products. What we try to do is we try to use our online presence much more to, let's say, get the, the interest from customers on specific products and funnel this back both to identify let's say, gaps and, and uh, issues with the data, but also to gain, uh, let's say, business insight from uh, the products uh, that our customers are browsing, doing calculations with, uh, uh, clicking, interacting with. Okay. So how, how do you measure the, the interest? I think here we are uh, on a quite rudimentary level still compared with uh, many B2C businesses. But um, uh, every time you browse, so I mean, Thomas, next time you browse the SKF catalog to find uh, a nice uh, bearings for your um, your skateboard, yep. then uh, you, you will be recorded. Okay. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this is, I mean... Uh, to 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 uh, improve uh, your experience and to uh, gain insights about how uh, our customers would like to interact with the products. All right, yeah, that sounds similar to to what is done on a lot of B two C sites when it comes to personalization and and showing the most relevant information in any given point. Mm -hmm. uh, I think also when it comes to product discovery, uh, people that comes to the website might have you know, different goals. Some knows exactly what they want. They maybe search for a particular particular article number and expects to get the exact result. Maybe they have a product name and they want to 
get the right search result right definitely and 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 we have the exploratory uh, or designer i think um in my world we we look uh, we we make the a big distinction between uh, the design engineers starting with a blank sheet of paper with the objective to create a new generation of wind turbines mm. as an example and then on the other scale we have the farmer that uh, in the midst of the of the operation is having a, a hiccup uh, in the tractor and uh, needing to replace a certain bearing uh, they're extremely far apart on what needs they have and with what time uh, frames they have etc um, but uh, today we're serving them with more or less the same set of information okay i don't think they're happy with the same kind of information mm. so uh, here this this is a journey for us to to be better to to detect who who is looking for the product and, and what are their needs so it's it's really about turning our processes a bit outside in yeah and i think that's a challenge for a lot of b2b companies that when a customer comes to the website and they are looking for information or guidance uh, or so to be able to support those user journeys on the website and uh, you know we we see if we look at um, b2c and uh, things like fashion and furniture then you can sort of look at an inspirational uh, look or a room or you can click around and find similar uh, products and so on um, but i think in the b2b space there there's a lot to do and the question is also always about how much do you want to automate or how much do you want to be set in a customer profile, for instance. I mean, one way would be that you identify yourself as a farmer and, and then the, the site will present different things to you based on that knowledge. But another way would be to see what are you searching for, what products are you looking at, and then start to make the experience more and more targeted to the user intent that you can see on the website. Mm. And I think this is uh, extremely uh, important. I mean, uh, we don't necessarily want to box uh, people or put them in different boxes. I think uh, rather that uh, the, the the behavior of the person should be what is defining that. Yeah. Uh, customer personas are uh, often quite uh, few, uh, very characteristic types, and very few of our customers would really like to pick one of those boxes, I think. I think... Uh, uh, we as individuals were much more on a on a scale than than in one of those uh, uh, archetype boxes. I think here we need to be better in detecting what what uh, what are the click behavior, what what kind of information do the customer really want to have, and maybe ask a few more questions rather than just serving a pre-made dish for the customer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here also is. I mean, there is a lot of solutions out there also that, uh, you know, pop-ups just ask you for some inputs and, and we have the chat bots as well. Uh, I don't know, is that something that you have considered having a, a chat bot assisting you in, in your uh, user journey? We, of course, I think everyone in the industry wants to automate as much as possible. Uh, my personal experience of chatbots is quite poor. Mm. I think they're often uh, made with... Uh, 
let's say I mean they're often uh, created with the intention to save money uh, before really uh, giving customer value. Mm. So so they might well serve their purpose in certain areas. I think for us. Um, it's maybe more of importance to funnel out um, which are the ones that we should really, really give much more attention to. Okay. Currently, we give you quite the same attention if you're a, a big customer, a small customer in the online uh, area. Okay. And here, I think uh, we need to make uh, more of the, uh, a similar distinction as, as we would do in the account management process. Because if... if uh, um, we traditionally serve our customers quite differently uh, with different level of engineering support, etc. Um, in in the face-to-face uh, part of the business. But when we go online, we sort of have traditionally treated everyone in the, in the same way. And uh, I don't say that we should treat people, uh, I mean, in a better or worse way, but more, more tailored to the needs uh, of uh, these customers. Absolutely. Do you do you have any thoughts of what you would like to do for the customers that require more attention? I think um, currently we provide um, really a lot of product data to uh, virtually anyone visiting our website. And I think uh, if you take the example of the farmer that has a breakdown with a tractor in the midst of the of, of uh, the harvest. I mean, this this farmer is not interested in all the uh, technical attributes of the product. Yeah. Uh, this farmer wants to replace the bearing as soon as possible. Uh, so I think in that case, we should uh, maybe go much more on the uh, finding the the closest distributor. We have that. We are now have now in many markets launched a buy online functionality where we funnel you to the closest distributor with the products on stock. Okay. Uh, however, if you are on the other scale of the, uh, um, if you're a design engineer, try, uh, creating a new design for a new wind turbine or maybe creating a new tractor, then the interest is much more into how to increase the performance, how to uh, decrease the friction, how to make it last longer. Uh, and then maybe the, let's say, on-stock availability in the closest distributors of, of no interest. So it's about uh, really understanding what, what parts of the product data that adds value to this specific customer. Okay, so we we have talked a bit about user personas, and as you might have noticed, we have a hip-hop theme for this podcast. So I want to dig in a little bit in your persona as a rap artist. What would be your rapper name, Hugo? Oh, uh, this is a challenging question, but uh, luckily I've been listening to your podcast uh, a few episodes, Thomas, so I could actually prepare myself a little bit. Um, but uh, being a rapper, that would be a, a bit challenging in my uh, uh, personality. Um, I'm a quite active person, and uh, so maybe, and I'm called Hugo. Uh, Hugo is, I've never had a nickname because my name is already quite short. Uh, okay. And when I was a kid, it was very uncommon to be called Hugo. So uh, I think I cannot really, uh, I need to keep Hugo in some way in, in this rap name. And then uh, 
why not you go, Hugo? You go, Hugo. Then, okay. then, then it's at least some uh, action-oriented Hugo. Yeah, okay. So, so uh, yeah. now we got the nickname as well. So that's great. Let's get it. Radically smaller commerce. You want to test AB on your PDP. So if we compare the online experience with traditional face-to-face experience, I mean, I guess that you still do customer meetings or customers comes and, and, and meet you. Uh, in these days, especially during the pandemic, um, most of things has been handled online. So I think the pandemic has really uh, changed how we work in a much deeper sense than we ever would have expected. Yeah. And I think also that uh, we we see uh, on all levels in the company that um, things are possible to do online that we previously thought was completely impossible. Mm. I thought uh, in 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 the industry where where I work, uh, the physical face to face meeting has been uh, really uh, very much appreciated, and also it has had a very high level of of uh, importance. So, if we met the customer in a physical meeting, requiring um, new product information or or a new products, it has been sort of uh, taken uh, it has been prioritized very very high on the agenda for us is that due to the relationship building or is there other components that work that you traditionally has have preferred to do in a physical meeting i think it 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 has uh, received much more attention um uh, when when we meet the customer in a physical setting and often the the higher the rank of the customer let's say the purchasing director had a greater importance than the purchasing engineer etc uh, however i i question if if uh, the value is always so high on this okay. what what we can say is that when a, a customer is is deciding to buy a new bearing solution from skf it's not the decision of one person it's a full network of of uh, people at the customer side. And even though we have sales personnel working very closely with the, the purchasing department of the customer, this has this is not necessarily giving us the full picture. Um, with going more online, we can also uh, read in more information and, and um, maybe we can detect more of the early signs of interest from our customers um, by looking into all our different uh, engineering interfaces. Mm. Uh, so we were very early on automating part of the, the engineering calculations uh, from SKF. So you could come to skf.com, you could do calculations of uh, bearing service life, etc., to to uh, design your machines. And now we can leverage on that and see that this is uh, giving us also business insights. So what are the products that are trending? And what are the products where we need to, uh, let's say, support more with marketing maybe? Um, and and this is to to look on the, all the, all the interfaces that we have with the customers must be bi-directional. So not only we should serve the customer or feed the customer with information, but also those interactions must feed us with insights and knowledge. Mm. And this 
can make the experience better and it can make us smarter in the sense that we would better know what products that really are of interest and what products that we maybe should discontinue, maybe even before we start manufacturing them. Well, the pandemic must have affected you as a company so much more than, than a software company like us. I mean, of course, um, for us, a lot of people, most people are working from home and you do sales meetings online and so on. But in, in most cases, it's business as usual. But for a company like SKF, it must be a much larger impact on the whole organization, especially also, I guess you have uh, you're a global company, you have manufacturing sites all over the place and uh, customers on a global basis as well. So it has definitely changed a lot. But I mean, some part of the customer experience are completely unchanged. I mean, still, uh, we deliver lots of value by shipping our products worldwide. Mm. Uh, and we have continued to, to do that throughout the pandemics. And um, I think uh, at the same time, other areas have changed dramatically. Like uh, in my team, we have uh, team members in, in Sweden, uh, UK and Germany. And uh, I think for us, this has been a catalyzer for even more collaborative way of working. Uh, so instead of being divided into, the, let's say, three uh, geographical areas, we've been in the same Teams meeting. So we've been, uh, I would say, we've matured a lot in our usage of, of Teams and, and uh, uh, also our uh, PIM system has helped us a lot. And uh, um, I think uh, we've taken many, many steps uh, in a direction where we can work uh, even more efficient, uh, if, even if we are remote. Okay. So looking on, on your online channels, what, what kind of technology do you use for your website? Do you have any other supporting technology to give a better customer experience or so? Mm -hmm. We are quite uh, heavy into uh, Elasticsearch. So Elasticsearch is uh, what is helping us to bring uh, relevant products to customers. Um, but then also here I think we can can learn a lot uh, um, and and make the journey more uh, according to your needs. I mean, there are certainly ways of, of uh, finding the the how to how to create something relevant for you uh, because relevance is different for different personas. Uh, and uh, one one of the uh, benefits of having a a PIM system to uh, gather all the product data that we share with customers is that we can also uh, collect data from our uh, ERP system, from our warehousing and distribution uh, systems, so that we can potentially give you um, relevant products from your perspective. It might be from the best engineering uh, perspective. It might be from a cost optimization. It might be from a, a minimum maintenance or highest availability. There are so many different uh, areas uh, uh, that you can tweak what is relevant for you. Um, uh, one way is to, let's say, create that output based on different uh, uh, optimum. But uh, another is to also understand uh, what is 
the optimum for this user. Mm. So get your product data in order and understand your customers and then strive to get the best relevant uh, customer experience on the website and uh, you know start to compete with that face-to-face experience. That sounds like really an easy job. Yes, Thomas, I really agree. On Isn't that. it easy? <laughs> What's hard about it? <laughs> I think um, the challenge comes in when when uh, when uh, you have products or when you have uh, more than hundred years of, of of legacy. We have uh, different uh, data sets, different tools and systems that need to work together. Mm. Um, and I think also the um, uh, to to really make new ways of working and and try to uh, let's say make sure that we we listen uh, not only to the customers that we meet face to face or in in uh, big management meetings but also those customers that just visit us uh, they do a calculation they make a few downloads they click here and there and they might go to to purchase the products either directly from us or via distribution channels i think we must also learn from this. We must learn from the masses. And and here we have um, only, I think, started a, a really interesting journey where we try to help all those customers coming to us. Absolutely. And I know that you are very passionate about uh, getting feedback back from, from your community and your customers and how that can help others. So... Uh, it's going to be interesting to follow what you're doing in that area and also being such a big company, having hundreds of thousands of products, there, there is uh, definitely a, a challenge. And uh, I think also automation can and um, like artificial intelligence can can be one way of also um you know, helping you with that. It's it's one thing if you have a hundred products, then you can really go into each product and uh, you know tailor things and uh, do do personalization based on that. But when you end up with that large amount of products, uh, you need to have solutions that sort of do what the computer does better than a human, uh, being able to do fast decisions, especially you know response to trends and uh, yeah, and that kind of stuff. There are quite a lot of things that computers do better than humans. Um, but I think what humans can help us with this is uh, also to to prioritize a bit what what the, the computers should do and, and what we should do. And yeah. I think um, one one of the benefits in our business is that many of our products, they, they have very long product life cycles. Mm. Uh, and this means that if we can improve the product or the product information or the relevance of the product um, today, uh, then we can uh, make it better for our customers tomorrow. And and if we continue in that way, uh, constantly improving the information, then sooner or later we will have fabulous information about the products and, and, and even better products. Mm. So I think... Uh, this this differs us quite a lot from the fashion industry where things are changing rapidly. Yeah. Uh, what we need is is uh, uh, really firm processes that make sure that we take one step at a time in the right direction uh, that will eventually reposition ourselves. But uh, being a company with more than 100 years in the business, we, we are not after making a revolution but an evolution that can continue in the 
right direction. I think that sums it up great. So uh, what's ahead now for for, uh, for you in your line of work at SKF? What's the project on your table, so to speak? I think there are quite a lot of things on my table. Uh, one, one is a constant... Uh, the extension of the products that we we, we manage in this way uh, via the PIM system, etc. But it's also to really identify how can we learn more uh, from our customers? How can we implement more and more of the process and turn them, instead of being a, say, inside-out uh, process, turning them outside-in, turning into a, a co-creation of value. Okay. Uh, and here I think we have so many processes that it will take a while until they are all, let's say, in the co-creative space. Uh, but uh, we're on a journey and uh, <laughs> sooner or later we will we will get there. All right. But uh, nice talking to you again, Hugo. And uh, have a nice summer and uh, good luck with the evolution. Thanks, Thomas. To be up to date with podcast-related matters, follow our LinkedIn page. And if you want to participate in discussions or recommend topics and guests, please join our Facebook group as well. Just search for Radically Smart Commerce and you will find us. And of course, if you want to contact me directly, you can always reach out on LinkedIn. My name is Thomas Sjöberg. You find the podcast on all platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast and Acast, as well as at radicallysmartercommerce.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you like the podcast. It helps us find new listeners. And you can also follow Aptus at LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.